You're listening to the Youmender Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Kadura Tax and Financial Services. On this weekly talk show, we invite an expert to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions at any moment throughout the show, you can always leave them in the comments section and we'll be sure to answer them. On today's show, we have Zishan Hasham as our guest. Zishan is a speech language pathologist who helps find uh, helps people find their words because everyone deserves to be heard. Now, what is a speech language pathologist? Who better to answer that question than Zishan herself? Assalamu alaikum Zishan, how are you today? Walaikum salam, thank you for having me. Alhamdulillah, doing good. Thank you for being here. So can you tell us, uh, start off by telling us what a speech language pathologist does? Uh, speech language pathologists, uh, in a nutshell, uh, just like the name says, uh, works with uh, either kids or adults, different age groups, and helping them work on their speech. Um, think about somebody who stutters a lot. Uh, they will go to a speech therapist for help or just cannot say certain sounds okay, mm-hmm. or helps them with their language. Uh, so somebody who has a hard time communicating their needs or expressing themselves properly, uh, either in the kids' ages or up to adults who might have had a stroke and now they've lost their ability to communicate because they've lost uh, language. Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of help them relearn as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in terms of working with kids or adults, who do you usually work with more? I work generally with the, with the kids I love working with the kids. I had a bit of experience working um, with adults, but mm-hmm. I really uh, enjoyed working with the kids. So for the majority of uh, my my years in working, I've just dealt with the pediatric population. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk a bit about first, before we get into the details of uh, the career, how you got into the career. So... <laughs> It's funny because I grew up in uh, Tanzania, uh, mm-hmm. South Africa, and I had never in my life heard of anything like a speech language pathologist. I had no <laughs> idea that career like that existed. <laughs> and then um, I finished my, I came here for college and thought I wanted to get into optometry mm-hmm. because I really was fascinated with learning about the eye. And uh, it was just uh, very hard to get into, uh, to get admissions to a college that teaches that. And so then I had to kind of change my, my plans and um, find something that kind of fit the bill as far as something that I can, you know, study short-lived a couple mm-hmm. of years, two, three years, and then head back. And uh, so because that optometry didn't work out, I ended up just looking around for what else to do and um, tried a couple of other things, didn't work out. And then I got married and uh, was still not sure what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I happened to do a lot of research, like, you know, with the career counselor at the library and mm-hmm. happened to stumble upon this thing and just looked into it. And because I knew I wanted to do something medical related, but something that's not too intense as far as, you know, like nursing or doctor mm-hmm. or something like that. And so this kind of fit the bill. And that's how I ended up into it. What age were you at at that time? Oh, gosh, I think I must have been uh, early 20 maybe 24 25 
So you got into, um, you started studying a bit later, correct? Um, or did you, later. or did you do your undergrad and then um, continue to find what you wanted to do? I did my undergrad. I, okay. I did my undergrad um, actually in the same field. I got my bachelor's in communicative uh, communicative disorders and then mm-hmm. just kind of went straight into master's. But okay. uh, I did lose a bit of time there because I took some classes that I could not transfer over in the mm-hmm. middle and I tried something else. And so I, I did lose a bit of time there, moved states as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How was that transfer going from Tanzania to the states? Oh gosh, yeah, that uh, that is challenging, and I think a lot of people listening can probably uh, emphasize with that because just the culture shock was huge, right? Mm-hmm. I think it took like a good year to really acclimatize with you know how people talk differently and how mm-hmm. they'll just wave at you on the hallway and just keep walking without really stopping to talk and you're like <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there were a lot of challenges that way, uh, but uh, alhamdulillah, you know, it, it yeah. slowly with time we adjusted. And that's interesting how you realize how people speak differently and that's your whole career as well. Yes, that definitely is one of the challenges that took a while for me to get over because, I mean, I speak differently. My accent is always still a little different. It was mm-hmm. and probably still is. And so sometimes I'll be giving, you know, treatment to the kids and I'll say a word that I was always sounding very different to them. And they're like, what is that word? What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> So sometimes I learn from my kids as well, you know? Yeah. It's always a learning process. It's always a learning process. Yeah. Um, Did you enjoy studying it? I did. I did enjoy studying it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the classes that I took were very, very new. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I mean, for those who know, like sign language or American sign language, like we have a class in this where we actually um, literally have a class that we learn. Um, how to phonetically sound out a sound and how mm-hmm. to transcribe each sound. So there's different letters for how we write our ABCs than there is in normal mm-hmm. because we have to literally be able to uh, understand how a kid is saying a sound or an adult mm-hmm. is saying a sound. So that was really one of my most interesting uh, classes. Which is very it sounds different. very interesting. Yeah, it was very, very different, but interesting. Yeah. Um, was the practice um, within the actual field different than when you were studying and how different was it? Um, sorry, say that again. Practice was... So practicing in the actual field. So be- yeah. when you became a speech language yeah. pathologist, was that was it very different than when you, you were studying? Mm, that's a good question. It, um, I think to some level, like I think even though we had to do like our internship and our externship mm-hmm. and all that, I think just getting started on our own, there really definitely was a learning curve. Yeah. Um, and when I did it, like it was way back over 10 years back. And I, I think they do it a bit more different now where they provide more hands-on and more, more clinical experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I think there was a bit of a learning curve there. I think in yeah. hindsight, uh, because when I did my master's, I literally finished my bachelor's and I started my master's immediately. And I noticed that those who had worked in the field for some time and then they were starting their master's, they really knew what to expect and they came in with a whole different level of, of what they need to learn. Mm-hmm. So I think had I done that, that probably would have helped me a lot more better in getting the most out of my classes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you recommend that people... Um actually work within their fields before continuing education? I do. I, I, I really feel like I would have gotten a lot more out of it had I t- 
taken a bit of a break even for six months and, and mm-hmm. see if I can get some work as a, because you can work as a speech language pathology assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just minor differences between what you can and you can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at least to be able to understand, okay, this is the real world. This is kind of what the skill sets are that you need so that when you then start your master's and you start mm-hmm. full-fledged studies, you immediately know, okay, how is this going to apply? You're able to ask yeah. the right kind of questions to see, hey, but how does this work in that setting? Mm-hmm. And you have that experience to be able to know which settings you're going to be put in. Exactly. And know exactly. the people you're going to be talking to and know yes. how they're going to think and how you're going to react. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes a huge difference, to be yeah. honest. Um, let's talk a bit about your career path. So you started working uh, in a public school. Can you tell us about that a bit? Um, so uh, in the public school setting, uh, mm-hmm. usually what happens is you provide therapy to kids, but um, you usually like see them for half an hour in an entire week or maybe two times for half an hour in an entire week. And then you actually have a group of kids that you work with at the same time. Um, and it poses its own challenges because you have one kid who you might need to work on a particular sound that they might need help with. Mm-hmm. For example, they can't pronounce the R sound very well. But at the same time, you have another kid in the same group who you need to address and help them with a totally different skill. Like maybe they need help with their language skills. So um, it almost needs you almost need to have a lot of good organizational skills and planning skills so you can mm-hmm. really give the most in that little time you have to all these kids um so uh, it, it has its own challenges but it was uh, it was a really good experience because i mean i think the fact that when you work in the school school time is done and you're done as well so for somebody who has kids or you know you need summer time off to travel mm-hmm. i mean that was a good thing to have but uh yeah that's kind of like how it was in the school system was it very demanding in terms of uh, time? It was very demanding in terms of paperwork. I mean, okay. <laughs> any, any therapist who works in the school, they'll be like, oh my God, the paperwork is just <laughs> humongous. And then you have to also take time away to go and sit in on a meeting where you talk mm-hmm. to the parent and the team of uh, the school psychologist or you know the, the, the school teacher and everybody else, the whole team sits and you have to take time mm-hmm. off to, to put into that. So you almost had to do a lot of management as well of when you have time to do paperwork, when you have time mm-hmm. to write progress reports, do the testing, and uh, and that too, you might have a caseload of up to 60 kids, you know, depending yeah. on. So it could be a lot to handle. And you work with kids in a group. Is that harder than working individually? Definitely. Um, Yes, definitely, because you almost have to kind of work like a teacher, though in a smaller scale, because now you mm-hmm. have to work on behavior and management, and you almost have to employ those classroom management tips so that yeah. things can go in a good flow and when you only have like half an hour to work on, like, say, three or four kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting, and it was definitely challenging. But uh, how did you manage... Um, so from what I've heard from you about the career, it's very specific towards each kid's needs um, and what, uh, how they understand and how they learn. So how would you fit that in a 30-minute segment um, with a large amount of, I mean, five is a large amount for that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is. 
Um, usually what, what speech therapists do, and, and that, that's the fun factor that I think this carrier um, has. And when you're working with kids, a lot of speech therapists will kind of incorporate games when they're doing therapy. Mm-hmm. So they will bring out a pull out like a board game or like, you know, a, a, any, any game. Mm-hmm. And then basically we play, but at the same time we have like when it's your turn to work it's your turn to do your work and we specifically focus on okay this is what you need to work on so let's do this for a couple of minutes and then we'll move on to the game and then mm-hmm. we'll go to the next person's turn and so it's very structured uh, that way and that helps us to be able to kind of really address each individual's needs at the same time in the mm-hmm. same group well, that's like, incredible I don't, I don't yeah. yeah 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 it's incredible mm-hmm. um you know you had your kids during that time <laughs> So <laughs> how is that to manage um, having your own kids and having to go to the school as well? Yeah, alhamdulillah, you know, I, I was blessed that um, I had the ability to be able to take some time off from work mm-hmm. and just stay at home for a year. And uh, I did that uh, both the times when I when I had my kids. So that was a blessing. So, But then when I did go back to work, it was after a year. And the other blessing was as well that because we're working in the public school system, you could take a year off and mm-hmm. not lose your job. So that was a huge benefit. Um, so, um, and then after that, I mean, I did go back. So by that time I had people at home who were able to help out with taking care of mm-hmm. my baby. You know, so. And did you take on a role that was less demanding after? Yeah, I did. Um, so after, after my second child, um, I thought I was going to go back to the school system and I took my year off. And, but then I, I, I don't know I, I feel like my priorities shifted and I just felt like I, I didn't want to go back to school and I found uh, a friend of mine was working for a private practice and she said you know what this is nice you can give it a shot they're looking for somebody and I think you know I just fell into my lap at the right time and mm-hmm. uh, that worked out and so I decided to join the private practice and uh, which was great because um, even though you were a contract based, like I could choose my hours, I could decide that I want to just go on this day. I didn't have to work full time. I could mm-hmm. choose to work just one day a week and however many hours I want. Uh, so it really worked out well at the time when my kids were young. Alhamdulillah, that's uh, that's very um, helpful within. It was. Yeah. Um, you've been working there for how long now? been eight I don't know maybe six years or something I, I want to say it's it's been maybe six or seven years mm-hmm. I think yeah I've been uh, the same place for that time and alhamdulillah oh. it's worked out um and what is the private practice like versus the school okay yeah so the private practice um it's kind of like how when you go to a doctor's office but mm-hmm. in that office you have usually you have a mix of like speech therapists um, occupational therapists and physical therapists who work mm-hmm. as a team and um, they are different centers some are some are geared towards kids some are geared towards more you know the, the, the uh, adult population but the major difference I think is that when you're working in a private practice you as a therapist are working one-on-one with a child mm-hmm. or or with your client um, and so you don't have to provide therapy to like five or six kids at yeah. the same time so depending on what setting you choose as a speech therapist it, there really is a lot of variety and uh that's one of the things that that's 
this field provides is you can choose to work in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you can choose to work in a nursing facility. You can choose to work um, like in the school system or like for a private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, some therapists even go and provide therapy at people's home. Um, so you can do home health. And so depending on which kind of uh, setting you are in, there's obviously differences. But with, with the private practice, it's the therapy is just one-on-one and uh and there's a paperwork as well is a little less depending on whether <laughs> that's you know, the positive side <laughs> that's the very positive side yeah <laughs> and you don't have to be you know a part of like formal meetings and all mm-hmm. that stuff like how you would in the school so mm-hmm. um that's another that's another thing that that uh, is a positive i feel like and it's a very broad field so there's a lot of uh ways that you can uh practice mm. Uh, yes mm-hmm. yes as far as you mean um in terms of where just, yeah in terms of yes. where and how yes it is it is it, it, almost like i mean i guess like in the journalism like mm-hmm. you're saying, there's a lot of variety and, and there's the same in this one as well and i think yeah. um you almost have to kind of find your niche within this it's such a vast field i feel like yeah. you might um because we work with uh, language needs we work with um, speech and sound needs we work with um adults who have, who get stroke and you know mm-hmm. or might get a traumatic brain injury um we also help uh people who have a hard time swallowing either because uh, they had a stroke and now they can't swallow very well because their nerves are affected or mm-hmm. um and then and there's a whole different area as well where you work with clients whose voice needs are there like either their voice is too hoarse or maybe they have a tumor on their voice box and so now they can't um they can speak they can sound mm-hmm. it out very well they can communicate exactly what you want but if only their sound could come out from their voice box so they could communicate mm. that way you know what i mean yeah so uh, there's a lot of different niches within this within this career what's the most difficult case you've had <sighs> that's a great question i have to think about that <laughs> or the most memorable most memorable i think that um i can't i can't pinpoint on on one mm-hmm. but i i find that what's always very satisfying to me is when i work with the little the youngest uh, toddler age kids and usually you know when the parents bring them in they're they're concerned that their child is not like able to put two words together or they're just pointing out but they're not saying any words and um, I find like the most gratifying for me is when we start working with these kids and after some time you will see the child starting to say a word or sound mm-hmm. out even one word whereas before they were not or they'll start to put two words together and you know point and communicate in different ways it's like that light bulb goes on for them and to be able to witness that every time uh, it's just it's just really gratifying mm-hmm. um, what is something that you know now about maybe choosing a career path that you wish you'd known before? So <laughs> this is a, I think that um, I, I feel that I, before, when I was choosing my career path, before I was married and before I had a family of my own, mm-hmm. the mind feeling, the, the mindset that I had was very different from what it would be from if I had to choose a career path now that I have family. And I don't know if that's just me or that just is something that um, 
generally when women when they get married and and families mm-hmm. family needs are there and prior, priorities change so um i think had i if i would have chosen a career that was like maybe in the nursing field or a more demanding field as far as how many hours you need to put in uh, i probably would not have had the flexibility that i do today like i i homeschool my kids mm-hmm. and so the fact that i can kind of pick my hours and choose to work even less than 20 hours a week has been a huge blessing and uh, so if i would have been able to kind of step back at that time if i could talk to the me then that i am now i would have said you know what pick something that gives you a bit of more flexibility that you're not committed that you have to be in the workforce like 40 mm-hmm. hours a week or even more because your priorities might change down the road your, your needs might change down the road mm-hmm. but but at the same time of course balancing it out with what your passion is right Obviously, if you're very passionate about this thing, you just know that that's the one for you, and that's mm-hmm. a whole different thing. But when you're kind of in in the middle, when you're like, I don't know, you know, between this and this, or which one I should go, which route should I go with between nursing or between another medical field, um, I think that's a good thing to take into consideration. I wish I mm-hmm. would have kind of considered that at that time. I just happened to get lucky, I feel like, because <laughs> I was not thinking that when I was doing yeah. that. That was the last thing on my mind. Um, Yeah. and life changes um in so many ways life changes in so many yeah. ways that's true and you never know um, mm-hmm. yeah but at the same time you have to love what you're doing because otherwise it really is pointless i mean if you yeah. don't love what you're doing you're not going to be good at it you're just going to be a like it's going to be a, a chore rather than something that brings mm-hmm. joy for you and, and you might not even want to work in the field anymore you'll just yes Yes, yeah. and then it's like a whole time wasted. You spend mm-hmm. so much money learning something that now you know you won't learn to use because you don't like it, and mm-hmm. the number of years you put into it as well. Um, a question that comes to mind is how Islam has affected or inspired your journey. How has it affected or inspired my journey? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I I don't know if if as far as have it inspired me or not but I mean I've definitely come to appreciate how important the ability to talk is mm-hmm. having worked with some some kids who get so frustrated because they want something and they're trying to tell you and they can't tell you what it is that they want and then mm-hmm. they get frustrated or even um worse like when I did my internship at the hospital having met adults who just knew how to talk they were able to talk and then all of a sudden it was not something that they could do anymore and that frustration i think i've really come to appreciate how important it is to be able to really communicate and how we really do take it for granted yeah and it's so easy for us to just open our mouth and speak and it comes out the right way it comes out the sentence comes out the right way mm-hmm. the sounds come out the right way a voice supports us so that it carries across to the person who's listening and everything just falls into place so easily but it's not like that for for others and mm-hmm. i think that's something that has really just thing that has been in it. you appreciate what you have Yeah, and sometimes we take a lot of that for granted. Yes, we we do. <laughs> But then we take everything for granted, right? And until yeah. something's taken away, you really don't appreciate it. You understand the value of it. You mm-hmm. understand the value of it exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um what tangible steps should someone take to 
become a speech language pathologist? Yeah, so to become a speech language pathologist, I mean, you do need your master's. Mm-hmm. Um, have, you you do need to get your bachelor's, but that doesn't have to be in the, the same field. So you could do your bachelor's in, say, like psychologist or any other related field, and and then you could start your master's, but you, you didn't need the master's. And then after that, you have to put in um, 400 hours of clinical fellowship where you are working under the supervisor. And that's really your clinical experience. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get that done, you have to do your state exams. And uh, that's kind of the last piece. And then after that, you can just, you get your um, certification, mm-hmm. your state certification. And and that's it. It takes it takes a lot of time. I mean, I, if by the time you count bachelor's and master's, I think we say it's a good six to seven years. Uh, so it is definitely time consuming. Mm-hmm. Now, you say state exam. Um, if you're moving to a different state to live there, do you have to retake the exam? Mm, that's a good question. So we have uh, a national state exam that we can take. Okay. And with that, uh, you can basically work in any state. And I, you, you can choose to get a state certification as well. Mm-hmm. Whether that is a requirement in every state or not, I don't know. Um, but with your state licensure, you should be able to work in any state. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's not as specific as uh, working in law or anything like that? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I'm working in law, you have to take a different uh, Yeah, you have to take a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, okay. So let's talk a bit about um, what do you suggest that people do to, to find the right career paths for them? Because <laughs> you sort of went on that journey and found something that you liked. So what's your advice on that? So I think, you know, I don't think my experience was the best to learn from, Mm -hmm. but I I think what a lot of people can do, and maybe what I should have done as well, I guess, is to take one or two classes in the field that you think you might have an inclination towards. Um, So maybe if you know that, okay, you kind of lean towards like a medical field or you're kind of leaning towards, I don't don't know, architectural engineering Mm -hmm. or something, um, to take a class uh, even though it means like you're putting a little bit of money in there, you're putting a whole semester down the road, but I feel like really it really helps you to get your feet wet to understand, okay, this is what it's going to look like enough so that you can decide, okay, this is for me versus for not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I mean, you can always go and see if you can find somebody who you know is really in a job, share them just for a couple of hours because until you yeah. see that setting, you don't really know whether I have the skill sets that I enjoy mm-hmm. doing this or not. So, But at the same time, it's really hard because there are so many careers to choose from. It's overwhelming sometimes. But it's also based on your inclination towards certain things as well. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. True that. (laughs) Um, What's the ratio of men to women in the field uh, of speech-language pathology? I I find that I always come across a lot more women than I have men in my field. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, to be honest with you, if that's just because of the, the because of the fact that I work for with the pediatric population and whether there's a little bit of a more equal balance if you're working in a skilled nursing facility or mm-hmm. in the hospital. But even when I was doing uh, my, my master's, the majority of the students were, were more uh, women than they were men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like there's a lot more women in the field than men, which, which, which 
can be a positive for those you know who, who are just more for hr reasons or whichever want to choose a film mm-hmm. that you're just working with women more than the men then yeah that can be a positive for some um but that means there's a demand for men also <laughs> so yes. any males listening <laughs> this is a field that you can go into as well <laughs> true that definitely man definitely especially yeah. if you're working with like you know the teenager boys and all yeah you just there's there's something that you just can't connect but a man can connect with the teenage boy yeah of course yeah um what's your favorite thing about the career um i love working with kids i enjoy that Mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy working with kids and uh, I, I think the satisfaction that I get when we're able to help somebody to at least progress a little bit better than where they were before and to kind of some of the kids that we work with we kind of because we work with kids who are um, on the autism spectrum or mm-hmm. have learning delays or you know other um, other learning disabilities so uh, sometimes we end up you know treating them providing them therapy for a couple of years. So we literally see them from when they're like three years old to up until they are six, seven years old. So we've mm-hmm. seen the growth, we've kind of grown along with them. So I, I do enjoy that portion of it to see where they were and when they've come. Seeing the incredible progress that they're doing and how you've helped them. Yes, Alhamdulillah. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the maturity of course and you know the parent support is a huge portion of it. Yeah, of course. Um, but seeing the growth is always a good thing. Now we've unfortunately come to the end of our show. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, but before we end completely, we want to hear what your final piece of advice is for our audience today. All right. Hmm. <laughs> advice pertaining to this field or just general advice uh, as far as choosing a career? General advice just for our listeners. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that I will say is, which I think what I mentioned before, is that if you're like stuck, you know, like I don't know what what to choose and how to mm-hmm. choose, but you kind of have an idea that you 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 are inclined towards a particular field. I mean, there usually are a couple of different career options within that field, right? Like, for example, within journalism, mm-hmm. like you could be the I don't know, photographer or something. I, I yeah, there's know. a lot of uh, different uh, specifics that you can go into or. The niche, right. as you call it, yeah. Right. So um, if you are kind of, you kind of know where, which area you want to go into, then I think mm-hmm. um, I, I would advise that you kind of think about down the road. Um, I, I really feel like, especially for the woman, I feel like a lot of times the priority change, like I told you before. So mm-hmm. choosing something that you think is going to be able to meet your need for what your interest is in that field, but at the same time, giving you that ability to have a bit of flexibility um, so that you you don't have to be like putting it 40 hours or 60 mm-hmm. hours but at the same time it meets your need that you want to be in the medical field or the journal field or whatever yeah i think something to kind of step back and be like okay this is it for me right now but 10 years down the road would i have a different you know outlook perspective yeah a perspective exactly or talk to somebody who's been there done that that would you still advise me to do this mm-hmm. you know it's something to really, I think, that we should consider because I would like to say our needs change, our mm-hmm. priorities change, and um, you do what at the end of at the end of the day you do want something that you can still work at. You know, like it's it's sometimes sad when you have somebody who's become a doctor and put in like eight years or more becoming a doctor, mm-hmm. but then when they and, and again I speak specifically for the women, 
women, they, they get married and they have a kid, they want to go back to work, but the, the amount of hours that is required doesn't allow them to. So they, they have to kind of choose now. Mm-hmm. Either either they do this or they go full-fledged in the workforce. And I feel like that's a very hard decision to make. Yeah. And what happens sometimes is a pause and then a coming back um, pause, several yes. re- years later. Yes. Um, yes. Which is an option. Which is an option. Yeah. Um, can be done. Yeah. Nothing's impossible. <laughs> Nothing is impossible. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Zishan, for your amazing advice and for giving us a little sneak peek into this incredible field. Thank you. Thank you, Fatima, for having me. It was, uh, it was fun. It was our pleasure. Asad. So we'd like to let everyone know that the Emoji Outreach Foundation wants to invite you to the Emoji Games, where over 870 participants from 53 mosques will be participating in an exciting soccer tournament. You can now join us as a volunteer or as a fan um, uh, or as a participant of all ages, boys and girls take the field. Um, This is happening next week, so be sure to tune into this. (laughs) Looking forward to that. Yes. Um, and you were all just listening to the You Mentor Talk show. If you want, if you miss this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the You Mentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, subscribe to our iTunes podcast so you never miss another show. If you want to reach out to, di- to, di- to today's speaker or speakers from any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, just visit our online platform at umojaoutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups or visit the UMentor website and hit the link for online platform. Thank you so much for listening to our show today on Facebook Live.